0: My name is Andy Nelms. I um, get to be the pastor of Thrive, and associate pastor at Lover's Lane, and, uh, and, and I'm so excited to get to worship with all of you. I want to welcome um, just those of you who are here who have commented below. I know that some of you may be on on um, on streams that, that don't have a comment section, and if so, um, I don't know. Email me. I, I, but um, we are excited to get to worship with the uh, the Truscotts and uh, and Hope and Anne and and all uh, of you who are are worshiping with us. Um, I know that this is different, maybe for some of you and. Um, and I know that maybe we can feel distant right now, but I hope you know that the Holy Spirit binds us together. And, and I want to welcome you especially, uh, maybe you don't attend church normally, maybe you don't even know what you um, believe about Christ, and, and I want to just say that you're welcome here. Uh, I'm so excited to get to worship with all of you and to get to be a part of all uh, of this as we go into God's Word this morning. And, and if you do um, have a Bible in your home, I invite you to go ahead and pull it out. Um, we're going to be in the Gospel of John, chapter three, this morning. Um, so it, the the New Testament, kind of the the later half of of the Bible, goes um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so, if you want to go ahead and open up there to John three, we'll be there in just a minute. But um, you can you can pull up into that to that section, and um, I. I was praying about the scripture um, this week, and, and I was thinking about some kind of just like common things that happen in our lives, and, and I don't know if you've ever had this thing happen to you, um, but have you ever like, been walking up to a building, and, uh, and there's a door that's closed, and you go up to the door, and, um, and, and, and you go to, to, to walk into the door, and, and you push, and it doesn't open. And there's this thing that happens in a split second, right? This, this thing that happens, you push the door and it doesn't open. And so what do you do but you push harder? Has, has that ever happened to you? You know, like where you walk up to a door and it doesn't open. And so you, you do the thing that you did before. You just do it more forcefully. And then you look, do- look down and you realize that it was a pull door right? If this is, I feel like this has had to happen to you at least once in your life, you know what I mean? And, and when you like look, realize it, you kind of look around and, and make sure that nobody else was watching, right? That happens in a split second, and, and I think that it happens because, because our brain can't let us be wrong. You know what I mean? Like, like our brain comes up with an assumption, and, and so our gut reaction is to assume that we were right and that everything else was wrong, has this ever happened? This, this assumption that your gut reaction was right. This happens not only when we walk up to doors, right? But maybe it's happened, maybe it's happened, maybe at work. Maybe, you, you know, you walked into a new job or, or maybe you've been there for quite a while and you have this assumption, you know, people don't like me. And and you instantly assume that it's about your personality, you know, or, or about something, and and so you just start like trying to like change your personality, and you start trying to entertain people, you start trying to do these things. When you realize that maybe your performance is poor, right? Maybe you've actually put more work on on somebody else because you couldn't keep up, and and maybe that's the reason that you're you're getting these assumptions. But but you have this thing where you you tried to impose your first assumption, try to assume that the first thing that you thought was correct. Maybe it's with your children. I don't know if you've ever had this happen where, where your children have developed a habit. You know what I mean? Like um, maybe it was, you know, sucking a thumb or, or having like this this blanket or, or this attachment thing, or maybe they're older, maybe they're like engulfed in technology, right? Or, or whatever it is. Every time you look over, they're on their phone, they're playing video games. And, and you have this like first assumption, and that first assumption is like, I've got to get them to stop doing that, right? I, I've got to stop that. And so as soon as you see them do it, you say, hey, quit that. Hey, don't, don't, you know, put your thumb in your mouth, get, get your thumb out, or hey, put the phone down, or, or whatever it is, whenever really the problem or the issue is something much deeper than that, right? That they're they're trying to cope with something, and, and, and we fail to recognize that thing they're trying to cope with. And so we have this thing in our mind that says the first assumption that we have is correct. Maybe it's happened in your marriage, or in your relationships, when, when you say to yourself, I need to convince him or her that I am right, that I am correct, that, that I'm not wrong in this, when actually the underlying problem is your communication. This thing happens in our minds, it says the first assumption is right, maybe this has happened in politics. That you've said maybe in your own mind, you know, I, I, I need to enforce my will upon this. I need to make sure that this other side knows that I'm right. I need to make sure that this other side loses or that this, this side is more quiet so that I and my side can be right. Why? Because my first assumption is right. We are joining this morning in a wider sermon series that Lover's Lane is participating in called Down by the Riverside. And, and this entire series is really what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. What does it mean to be a citizen of the kingdom of God first? And then how does that apply to the rest of our life? And one of the ways that heavily affects our life as Christians is in Politics regardless of what political party you ascribe to, whether you're a Democrat, Republican, or or Independent, or, or, or none of those, that regardless of what political sphere you assign yourself to, we Christians, people who have claimed faith in Jesus Christ, claim to be citizens of the kingdom of God first. And so how does that Cascade down into the rest of our life. And one of the things we realize is this is kind of like this base operation we have when we assume that our first assumption is right. We do this thing. We work harder at the wrong things, right? We, we push at a pull door. We, we try to enforce our will upon our children. We try, try to do all of these things. We work harder at the wrong things. Has this ever happened to you? Maybe it's a little unclear, and, and, and just to kind of highlight what this looks like, I want to go to the Gospel of John, chapter 3. And, uh, and in this passage, um, verse 1 through 2, we, we read this. So it's uh, verse 1 for the first part of 2, we see that, Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night. Uh, so just to, just to explain a couple of things, uh, there's a person named Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee. Um, this was a, a teacher of um, the Bible, was a teacher of the law, was kind of like a pastor in the time, a very learned pastor. So I think in the, in the Bible, and especially in Christian circles, Pharisees get kind of bad raps, and and I want to kind of eliminate that because... Nicodemus is a really smart guy and, and a person who is so devout and disciplined that, in fact, he probably has more disciplines than I do, right? Like, like he is somebody who is very devout. He has memorized what we know as of the Old Testament. He, he memorized his entire Bible. He, he could quote it just like start at the beginning and then go to the end. He, he has practice, he prays multiple times a day, most of the time three times a day. He fasts at the particular days. He does all of these things. He, he is a very devout person. We read that not only is he a Pharisee, he is a leader. He is a leader. We will, we will come to understand later in the Gospel of John that, that Pharisee is a part of councils that will decide Jesus' fate, that, that he is so high up that he is here at these particular councils. And we also read that he came to Jesus by night. Why? Because it would be embarrassing if others saw him in the day. Right? He's, he's a leader. He's supposed to be in the know. And he comes to Jesus by night because he doesn't want anyone else to see him. To see what he's doing. And he comes to Jesus and he says this in, in, uh, in chapter 3, verse 2, uh, the rest of 2. He, Nicodemus said to Jesus, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. No one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Now, maybe this is reverence, right? Maybe this is Nicodemus being respectful and actually honoring Jesus and wanting to follow Jesus, or maybe it's politics. Maybe this is some kind of backroom politics that Nicodemus is participating in. That, that Nicodemus is trying to say, hey Jesus, you know, you can do some things for us and I can do some things for you. Hey hey Jesus, uh, we know that you are from God. Oh, well, of course you're from God. Maybe this is some kind of politics that, that, that Nicodemus the Pharisee is trying to get ahead in life. Because... Just before this passage, in in, in John uh, chapter 2, verses 13 through 25, Jesus cleanses the temple. Jesus cleanses the temple. He, he walks into the temple and he sees all these money changers, uh, people who are exchanging money for sacrifices so that they can go into the temple and, and sacrifice their offering. And and Jesus chases them out. And, and he says, my father's house is a house of worship. Quit, quit playing it quit making it a marketplace and then after that Jesus says if you destroyed this temple I could build it up in three days. Many scholars think this is the reason why Jesus was crucified that he claimed that he could destroy the temple and build it up in three days and it's important that a Pharisee came to Jesus immediately following that. Why? Because Pharisees were the ones during the Babylonian exile. So the Babylonian exile is a very important time in, in the life of Israel. It was a time, 597 to 538, when the people of Israel were taken away. Their temple was destroyed, and they were taken by an opposing country. And they had to figure out, what is it like to worship What is it like to worship without a temple? And so these Pharisees came along and taught them how to worship in synagogues, essentially churches. How how do we worship without this central place? And so Pharisees are the ones who who preserved the faith. And so whenever the the, the second temple was established, the Pharisees were still there, but they weren't the biggest fans of the temple. They, They said, I think it's more important to memorize scripture. I think it's more important to do these practices. I think it's more important to do all these things. And so when Jesus chases the money changers out of the temple, the Pharisees are like, I think I like this guy. I, I, I think I like him. And, and so Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night, and he says, Hey, Jesus, you can do something for me, and I can do something for you. And Jesus responds in this way. In, in, um, in, in John chapter 3, verse 3, he says this, Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. It's almost like Jesus didn't hear Nicodemus Right, it's almost like Jesus didn't hear what he said. He's like having a completely different conversation. It's like he's not even talking about what Nicodemus said. In other words, Jesus is sidestepping Nicodemus's politics and is getting to the heart of the matter of Nicodemus. Jesus says, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. That that phrase, born from above, if you look in your Bible, um, you might have a footnote in that section, uh, born from above. That's what it says in the New Revised Standard Version. That word in Greek is anothen. And it can either mean born from above or others' translations say born again. And, and, and so, in other words... Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he says, hey, Jesus, I can see that you're from God. And and Jesus responds, no one can see God that is not born from above. No one can see what God is doing here who is not born again. And and this is where we get this kind of popular Christian idea of being born again, right? Maybe you've heard this term, these born-again Christians. And that typically gets used to describe people who have hit rock bottom. Right, People who have kind of experienced this, this low, and then they give their life to Jesus. right? They, they give their life to Christ, and all of a sudden they are transformed. They are something different. They are something new. And that is great, and, and, and that is spectacular. I'm so glad that that's happened for so many people. But when Jesus first uses this term, when, when the term born again first gets used in the Bible, it's not used to describe somebody who's, who's hit rock bottom, In in fact, um, Tim Mackey says this, um, who is uh, of the Bible Project. He says, whatever it means to be born again, ooh, that's cool, I'm like behind the words. Um, Whatever it means to be born again, it is not a a call to be more religious. Right? It's not a call to do more practices. It's not a call to do more things. It's it's not a call to develop all these practices. Nicodemus the Pharisee was doing all of those. Nicodemus was doing all of the right things. Whatever it was to, to, to be born again, it was not to, to, to go to church more. It was not to do all these things. It was something more than that. Look at the audaciousness of Jesus' claim. This, this Pharisee comes, this Pharisee who's probably older than Jesus. right? He, he, is, he is well-versed in all the traditions. He is a, he's a professional religious person, much, much like me. Right? He, he, is, he has made a living on religion. And he comes to Jesus and says, I think that you're from God. And Jesus says, nobody who can, can, be, can see God who has not started all over. And who was not born from above. Nicodemus kind of plays at Jesus. Right? And so he responds to Jesus in this way in verse 4. Nicodemus said to him, how can anyone be born after having grown old? Can can one enter a second time into a mother's womb and be born? Right? like This doesn't work, Jesus. You you can't be born again. You can't be a no-thin. You you can't be born again. And Jesus answered him in verse 5. Jesus answered, truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Jesus references something from the Old Testament, something that, that, that Nicodemus knows very well, again, by heart. He references um, two passages, one from Ezekiel and one from Isaiah, both of which describe this, this water in the Spirit, this water that cleanses in, in, in Ezekiel, and then this water that brings new life in Isaiah. Something happens that, that when you are a Nothin, when you are born again, you do two things. Again, you are, you are born again. You, you start over. It's this, it's this clean slate. It's this, it's this new beginning. It's this time whenever you say, you know what, all these things that I think I know, I don't know anymore. I'm going to try to learn something new. And then you are born from above. You, you reconnect yourself to the source. And then Jesus says this. Verses 6 through 7. What is born of the flesh... Is flesh, and what is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, You must be born from above. What is born of the flesh is the flesh, and what is born of the Spirit is the Spirit. Again, Tim Mackey in the Bible Project. If you ever get a, a chance to check out the Bible Project, I, I absolutely recommend it to you. And, and in it, Tim Mackey gives this analogy of a cherry tree. That if you have a cherry tree in your front yard and you wanted oranges, right, you, you wouldn't prune your cherry tree more, right? You wouldn't, like, water the cherry tree more and then prune it and then do all of these things for it, build a little fence around it, and then expect oranges to come from your cherry tree. No, you would, you would, un-open. you would start over with oranges and an orange tree. And Jesus is telling Nicodemus to do the very same thing. Nicodemus, it's it's time to start over. Because what's from the flesh is the flesh. You you can't just do the flesh more and then get the spirit. You have to start again with the spirit. And then Jesus says this in verse 8. He says, The wind blows where it chooses. I love that. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born from the Spirit. If you've uh, been a student of the Bible very long, you know that, that this idea of wind, in, in Greek it's pneuma, but this, um, this idea of wind, even in the Old Testament, this idea of wind can also mean spirit. And Jesus says that the spirit of God, this wind, God does what God chooses. Much like just how the wind just kind of blows erratically and, 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 and it, just, it just happens. We don't really know how to explain it or where it comes from. In other words, God is the one who brings transformation. God is the one who brings transformation. And, and that's why I believe when it comes to sharing our faith, my hope, my prayer is that we would have a conversation with someone else. Right, Have a conversation, maybe with somebody who, who doesn't have and share the same faith. And in that conversation, that we would let the wind blow where it chooses. That we would let God do what only God can do in that time. That I don't think anyone has ever come to faith because of a, of, of a, of a well-crafted argument. Right? Like, I don't think anyone's ever been in the heat of debate. And, and then somebody said, well, obviously I'm wrong. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. That I think God is the one who brings faith to others. I think this is true in faith. I also think it's true in politics. That we have our convictions. We have the things that we believe. And very rarely do we get caught in a debate with somebody and they just transform and change their ways and say, you know what? I was thinking this way and now I'm this way. That happens sometimes. But very rarely. And I think one of the deepest problems in our society is that we've become so entrenched in our particular view that we don't even want to have conversations with somebody on the other side. We have said, this is, this is my belief, and, and I'm going to believe it come hell or high water, and, 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 and I'm not even going to have a conversation with them because I know that they're going to try to convert me to their way. What if instead we just engaged in some kind of conversation? If if we found on what we could agree on rather than what we disagreed on. That if we stopped trying to change someone else's mind so that when they were talking to us the entire time we weren't listening but thinking of the next argument that we were going to give. Instead, what if we had a conversation where we started over, where we we were born again and, and we reconnected ourselves to God, where we had a conversation where we just let the wind blow. We stopped trying to change someone else's mind. I think that would actually be from God. Jesus tells Nicodemus the Pharisee to Anothan to be born again, to be born from above. Essentially, he tells the Pharisee two things. One is restart humble enough to admit your first assumption might be wrong can you imagine being told that right that this pharisee this this lifelong religious person comes to a a 20 maybe a 30 something you know new wave guy and and is trying to help him right is trying to teach him his the ways hey here's how you get ahead in this world and jesus says man you got to start over Right? You've got to completely start again. Be humble enough to admit that your first assumption might be wrong. And he says, then you've got to be born from above. You've got to reconnect. Reorient your life around the God who created you. Right? You've, you've got this source. That when God created you, he, he put this, this thing within you. Uh, the, the Genesis says that, that, that we were made in the image of God. I, I, I believe that that means that we, have, that we bear this mark of God upon us. This signature that God wrote on our hearts. And, and whether we acknowledge it or not, it, it's there. And that, that piece of us cries out, reaches out, and connects with those things that we see that are from God. Jesus tells Nicodemus, you've got this thing in you that is from God. Reconnect with, with that thing. Reorient your entire life now around the God who created you. What would that look like in your life? What would it look like for you and for me if we took this advice? Well, maybe we might push it a little bit less on that door, Right? maybe we would engage in conversations of politics in a little bit different way where we started seeking after truth rather than our own ways maybe in our homes we would be a little bit more humble with our children maybe a little bit more humble with our spouse or with our friends maybe we would engage in this world in a little different way and so I want to encourage you to to practice two things this week and and if you're somebody who who writes things down i I encourage you to to practice this maybe handwriting is good for you or or maybe just putting it in your phone but whatever the case i want to encourage you to practice these two things first of all is to restart i want to encourage you to to remember a time your mind changed because it did right? You haven't always believed the things you believe today, that, that somebody helped teach you these things or some, you, something helped you understand this. Remember a time your mind changed and assume it will happen again. Assume your mind's going to change again. Assume that your first assumption is not always right. And then I'm going to invite you to reconnect, to pray every day this week. And, and maybe you've done that. Maybe you've practiced that. If that's the case, I would encourage you to read John chapter 3 this week. And maybe just read a few verses each day. But, but this conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus goes on and on. It, it continues. And, and it's a very in-depth conversation. Something I believe can actually help illuminate our own faith for ourselves. What if Christians started practicing this? What if Christians entered into more humble conversations in this world? What if Christians were actually connected to their source and not not just connected and and not just anchored by their, their first assumptions about the way that the world works? Friends, I encourage you to practice this because we can push at that door all we want. But if we don't pull, we'll never get in. Let us pray. God, I pray for your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would come into our lives. God, that you would change us. We have many first assumptions. We have, have many things, God, that, that we have, well, God, that we have done wrong. And I pray that your wind would blow, that you would enter into our lives, God, that we would be shown where we have misstepped and that we would reconnect with you God, I pray that you would do it. I ask it by the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.